I'm Aysan and welcome to a special 9320 podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by German football analyst and scout Jasmine Baba to talk all things Erling Haaland. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi, thank you for having me today on this Absolute very pleasure. beautiful day. I'm talking sarcastically because Arsenal lost last night, but... Oh, yes. There was the yeah. small matter of the North London derby last night. Unlucky. I, I thought you might do something, but patently not. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's always Arsenal, though. I think we might do that. It, as soon as someone expects something of us, yeah. that's the always when it crumbles. Hey, listen, I, I, I guess this reminds me. Um, you've obviously been heavily linked with Gabriel Jesus. How would you feel mm. about that move? I would actually really enjoy it. And I think for some reason, since he's, since that rumour came out, um, he's been playing terrifically. <laughs> um, I, I think the only problem is, and I'm, I'm saying this without any proper analysis, any proper kind of digging into numbers and whatever, um, I would see him more as... He's obviously clinical. He obviously can pick up the ball with his feet and then go on to score. But I still feel like, you know, I mean, he's more of a mobile striker than anything else. And I feel like Arsenal still need someone who's a little bit, like, taller, more of a target man and just really. Things around the box and then scores mm. that's from I test only I think we we miss someone like we always cross the ball high in the box and there's never any presence anymore mm. and it depends on what tactic Mikel Arteta also wants to play because um maybe not last night but some of the other big games especially Man United um Arsenal are very, very good at the kind of pressing counter-attack football against bigger teams. Yeah. But that's And that's where, like, Inketia fits. That's probably where Gabriel Jesus fits. But if you want to play more possessional-based, and sometimes if the teams play a lower block or 10 men behind the ball, and you're relying on those high crosses, they will still miss that kind of presence there. Or mm. someone also as gifted on their feet to be a bit more clinical in those spaces. Um, so yeah, Gabriel Jesus for the money that he might go for. Um, really, really good. I would really, really like him, but I still think they need just a taller present striker for a plan B. Mm, I think, you know, from a city perspective, I think the frustration with Jesus has been that he wasn't really clinical that, you know, for a number nine, he, even though weirdly his, minutes to goals ratio is really good but mm. in terms of you know moments that win games that just weren't enough of them and I, I, yeah. I kind of feel sorry for him in the sense that I feel almost as though he's one of the few players that you feel hasn't progressed under Guardiola and mm. I'm not even sure that it's his fault I just feel as though he kind of came and Aguero immediately upped his game. And so yeah. he went through this two years where he was rightfully behind corner and he didn't get much consistent football. Uh, and I think the age that he was at, 
it probably stalled his progress a little bit. Yep. Um, and yep. then we started this season and it was like Guardiola did this interview and he was like, well, he, he's better from the wing. And then mm. he did an interview where he said, oh, I prefer playing playing from, from the wing, which was kind of weird because he's Brazil's number nine. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was a weird thing for him to say. And I, I really feel as though he only said it because he kind of knew that's where he was going to get games under Pep. So yeah. it kind of made sense to reinforce what the manager was saying. But I felt for for 12 months, like he needs a move because he's a player who's got another level in him. But yeah. it's just one of those things that it's not happened at City. And sometimes you just look at a player and you go, you know what, a move would do you the world of good. Yeah, and that happens. And it's just funny that you mention it and we're talking about number nine, so it really fits in. I absolutely, my most favourite player from a team outside of Arsenal for like probably around the last decade, I guess, um, Sergio Aguero. I was gutted, gutted when Man City bought him for the money. I know, I don't know about wages and what have you, maybe Arsenal couldn't afford, but the money that Aguero was, it it killed me. He was my favourite. And um, yeah, when he left City as well, it was just quite a big thing for me. He was one of those number nines I've always enjoyed watching. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that we, as a City fan, we're blessed. Today is the anniversary of 93-20. We're blessed to have got a decade of Aguero. And I still can't believe that he stayed a decade. And <laughs> I, I still can't believe that they managed to sign him when they did sign him. And it just, yeah. you know, we're... I think one of the hardest things about the last two seasons has been we were lucky enough to get seven or eight years of maybe one of the greatest strikers to ever grace the Premier League. And to go from that to the false nine really took some adjusting. And Mm. even now, like, you can see from the reaction to the signing of Haaland that, you know, we, we had grown accustomed to a number nine. And a, a terrorizing, terrifying number nine who could win games on his own. So it almost felt like the last two years we've had to score the perfect goal to score goals because there isn't a guy, there hasn't really been a guy who can score a goal from nothing. And we just got so used to those, you know, Aguero moments of he just scored so many goals out of nothing. So many times the ball went up to him and you kind of looked at it and go, well, He's got four defenders around him and then bang, the ball's in the back of the net before you know it. So, yeah, no, it, that's a perfect segue, to be honest with you, into um, the signing of Erling Haaland, which is why you're here. You've done a fantastic analysis of him on Medium. Is that right? Yep. So I will retweet it from the Night 320 pod uh, Twitter account uh, after this. And when we put the... Uh, when we put uh, the podcast out, but I've also retweeted it from my account. Um, so you definitely, definitely listeners should go and check that out. But first question for you, Jasmine, is were you surprised that Haaland chose City over Madrid and Bayern? Yes and no. Um, I think I, he obviously has a link with Manchester City through his father. I think that probably played a role um especially with the other teams i we had him linked with real madrid for so so long um but 
I think some of the reported money around Haaland could have just priced out those other teams just a little bit, mm. especially Bayern. I think um, Bayern were probably never really in the race after more of the fees came to light, um, especially in wages as well. Um, I don't think Bayern, Bayern's <laughs> wage structure is kind of messed up as it is. I, I don't think they could have rescaled it again for Haaland. Um yeah, and I think that other two were just a little bit priced out. So, I mean, it's kind of choice, but I, I think I tweeted it sometime in March or maybe February that it was 50-50 with Real Madrid. So I'm not that surprised, really, um, especially with what happened with um, Manchester City and Kane last summer, the mm. summer before. Time's basically a circle in my head, so I cannot remember... 2021 uh, so i don't remember when the kane stuff happened and the charlie kane stuff happened um but i think it was kind of evident the player that i'm not saying kane and harland are the same that's stupid but you could see that pep's mind was like i need like a proper striker i need a proper number nine mm. that he hasn't had for quite a while i wouldn't say he hasn't had at all i mean yes aguero but in the more typical sense of here's a a man who stays maybe not stays in the middle of the pitch but here's a man who is purely built to find space score goals um bend in goals like he did but like he had with Lewandowski, like he had with zlatan ibrahimovic um, so, yeah, not really surprised in the end. But, yeah, it, it's still, in terms of the view of the Premier League, I, I just can't think of a signing that went, oh, man, this guy is world class and we've got him in the Premier League. It's been a long time since I've felt that kind of excitement to say, oh, this player is playing in the Premier League rather than, oh, this player is playing in Liga 1 or La Liga. Mm. Um, do you think that, sorry, this isn't on the agenda, but you mentioned it, it made me think about it. I've seen a lot of people say that um, his playing style would have suited La Liga more than the Premier League. Or maybe, or maybe I read that one of the reasons that he was leaning towards Madrid was because he thought that his playing style would suit La Liga more than the Premier League. And I found that weird because I kind of look at him and look at his size and his power and his ability and just kind of think well you're built for the premier league <laughs> um yes and no for that one too i think la liga has a little bit more i wouldn't say comparisons to bundesliga but i feel like in la liga you can work with more space around you and the mindsets despite some of the low block football that you get in la liga is still very so technically dominant and forward thinking that it shares a few similarities to the Bundesliga and it's more a technical and technique development. Whereas in the Premier League, I'm not sure, I've done a few kind of shot comparisons in different leagues, but I can't remember what the La Liga one is. Mm. Um, I feel like La Liga has a bit more space and generally shoot more shots than the Premier League and 
other leagues and less shots are made in both like the Premier League and the French League. It's more defensive based. So I can see why people would think that kind of suited his style or he maybe thought, oh, this would be a great technical development. Um, And, you know, loads of people have picked up on the fact that in the Premier League, you don't get that much space. Defences are tougher, more physical, despite him being built for more physicality. Um, he isn't a player that is good when there are defenders on his back. He is good in the box when maybe that happens making tight angles, but actually getting there, arriving there mm. is a little bit harder if you play with those low block defences and they don't give you any space. So that is a point that I can see. However, he is, and what Pep Guardiola has to do is make sure he doesn't get in those situations where he doesn't have those space, where he doesn't have no space. It's about working the space around you, creating that space. And especially, I didn't want to give too much away, but I think I kind of have to describe it here now. Um, when you create that space and I'm sh- what Holland needs is someone to play the ball into the space and him to, he has the pace and ability and the dynamicness of him because of how he's built mm. um, to just be a dynamic player to run past the defending player. Whereas Man City had basically the opposite of those. So yeah, it's all about not, his technique developing, but his general play developing or playing to his strengths rather in the Premier League. So, City, how did... You wrote in your piece about how Guardiola used nominal number nines this season. I thought that was really interesting for the audience to hear. So, how how did, how did Guardiola utilise the idea of the nine in the season just gone? So... I guess he was kind of forced into being more of a strikerless formation, mainly because he didn't have a, a typical number nine, as we've said. Aguero's gone, you had Gabriel Jesus, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, and he changed the m- movement patterns that you get towards like whoever is in the center of the pitch we'll call that like the striker position but i'm doing little apostrophes Mm. around them because it's not a proper nine it's not a proper striker position so instead of this striker being there the one to be a number nine he used them to drop in between the lines and occupying the half spaces so either side of just outside the center of the pitch and um it gives them more of a like a two-two box and they take up the space in between the opposing center backs. Okay. So with this, it, it obviously depends on the situation and what you're defending against, but it's to a- aid the build-up from the back line. So it could be dependent if he's doing basically two center backs with um two central midfielders or two centre-backs, a full-back and two central midfielders building up. Um, but elite, you're then using at least four more players occupying those central areas and those half spaces, including one of those 
apostrophe striker positions and to overload the other team in these areas and then break through. And it's always breakthrough on the ground as well. So what your players like, and especially the more forward players in these um, strikers, so again, Foden, Sterling, Grealish, they like the ball at their feet and to dribble past players, whereas Haaland's the opposite. He likes it in the space and then to run past using his physicality. Um, So they either break through these half spaces on the ground or they shift their opponents to one side, isolate the side without the ball, and then switch again and attack from there. And that's how he's developed the striker's movement. So they're in that last line to build up, break through with the ball on the ground, dribbling around, and then attack from there. And it's a solid philosophy it's a solid tactic but I think in times of the season it has been harder to break out down better teams so I think about that 2-2 against Liverpool where you could have broke you could have had a plan b to move it differently Mm. and to adopt more of a striker position because I think out of everyone who will know those kind of movements, it will be people like Klopp. Um, And also in the Champions League where you could have dominated more, but you always fall at the final hurdle. Maybe not exactly the case against Real Madrid because of the way that you were... um, Oh, we fell at the final hurdle. We definitely fell. fell. (laughs) Definitely crashed out. But it was more to do, I mean, you could have put the time to bed and those are the kind of moments and movements and the way of scoring goals that you could have put it to bed even in, even in like years before where you've fallen against Chelsea and et cetera in, or just during Pep Guardiola's range, especially without Aguero. But, um, yeah, so I, as I was saying, the Real Madrid was more to do that. Your defen- defense failed at the final for a hurdle, but you could have put the tie to bed. So these are the kind of points where Guardiola has made a good system, but it's obviously missing something to change it up. And it's great. It can be done in the league. I mean, because of how it works against other teams. But something like the Champions League or if you get greater strength opponents in the Premier League, say Newcastle buys absolutely everyone and gets a good manager and who can also counter it, uh, counter what that does, or your problems against Tottenham, for some reason, your ongoing t- problems against Tottenham, which I'm, if you could have, if you can see me now, I've closed my fists and I'm shaking it out in the sky. It, it's this strikerless position that kind of gets found out from the more defensive structured managers. And mm. that is why you need, you probably need a more focused number nine like you've had in the past and like Pep has in the past too. Um, so in, your, in the piece that you wrote, you, you compare Haaland 
to Lewandowski. And it's it's in the bit where you talk about Haaland not being a target man. So mm-hmm. how in what way do you think Lewandowski could be a blueprint for how Guardiola uses Haaland? That's a good question. Um, so basically Lewandowski came from Dortmund to Bayern with Pep already there. And what kind of fits at that moment and this moment, and I talk about it in the piece, is that uh, Haaland's coming from a mainly pressing and counter-attacking orientated team. And um, Lewandowski's at Dortmund had that coming into Bayern too, under Pep. Um, so it might need a little bit of work, but with patience and how Lewandowski got to develop his skill, um, especially from more possessional-based football, Pep Guardiola can do that like similar, similarly with um, Haaland. So he would probably want... I think it's going to be kind of different because despite the blueprints of both strikers having a similar background to more possessional-based teams, mm. um, it's two different leagues. So it is going to be different. Bundesliga has given strike space since probably since Pep Guardiola came into the Bundesliga. Um, whereas I don't think that's going to drastically change in the Premier League. So not only will he have to use that blueprint to develop Haaland's, um, Haaland's patience, and especially in possession, but I think he won't go as far with Lewandowski and with Haaland as he did with Lewandowski just because I don't think you want to strip his main qualities which could work in the Premier League league, um, completely away because it will be more about creating that space for Haaland rather than trying to develop him into an all-rounder. I think that kind of takes away what Haaland is. Um, So if Haaland's never going to be the one that dribbles. It's always going to be the one that's played into space and then goes on to score. And I don't think he should try and make him a dribbler. He never made um, Lewandowski a, a dribbler. But I think he might move, use his movements to match Lewandowski's. So um, instead of being striker, pinning back the two defenders, the two centre-backs, or depending on what what formation your um, opponents are going to play, he would come from one of the sides coming in. So if he comes closer to a fullback than a centre-back, fullbacks are generally smaller, so he can use that his physicality to push through that way. And that's a similar thing that he did with Lewandowski. So that's the kind of movement. So you might see Haaland more in one of the half spaces coming in to aid also other players around him to create that, again, superiority over the other team and then work into the box. That's the kind of way he will 
that's the kind of similarities with Lewandowski that he's going to put in the pitch. Okay. Like on the pitch in the centre. What? But that's the only way, I think. Because I... Because... The thing is, Lewandowski's a great all-rounder and also dynamic, but with Haaland's Haaland's shaped a little bit differently. The guy's a freak of nature. He doesn't he doesn't fit into any category. He's and you have him built can I swear on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> He's built like a brick shit house, but he has the speed of Usain Bolt. That's not really supposed to happen. But That's Lewandowski crazy. is a bit sl- yeah. Lewandowski's a bit slimmer. So he can weave in and out. He can work those tight spaces a lot more. So I, despite me seeing similarities on what Guardiola will do with those kind of movement patterns, I don't think he will develop him in as far as he went with Lewandowski, who managed to pick every single skill up. Um, but Haaland doesn't need to do the... Well, Haaland, for the most part, doesn't need to do all the possessional stuff, all the fancy flicks and tricks that Lewandowski does because the Premier League when you create that space in the Premier League that's more than enough and you've got all the other players that can just do a little bit more Hmm. fancy skill and work those tight spaces Holland's to give you something different just playing devil's advocate for a second oh Um, I love a devil's advocate I take your point about the fact that you know he doesn't need to do the fancy flicks and the tricks and all that shit. But do you think that he has the ability to play? Do you understand what I mean by that? Like, because the point you made yeah. about like, oh, he's, no, not, no, he's no. not really like, a dribbler. Like technique. Yeah. Like technique and finishing. He absolutely has that. He can. So the thing is, this is the only difficult part to judge. He is... His finishing is technically gifted, mm-hmm. which you don't get usually from massive brick shit house strikers. It it's wonderful. However, he does get that with quite a bit of space. That is the only thing in in the Bundesliga. He has space to do the fancy flicks and tricks, so we know he can do it. Yeah. But can he do it under pressure with less space? I'm not quite sure yet. That is something he could, again, develop. He is only 21 or 22. Yeah. Do you think he could be effective in the build-up? So what I mean by that really is if I if I were to look at the way that Foden or Gabriel Jesus are used in the kind of – or whoever the false nines were, because we, we defend in a 4-4-2 often, yeah? Mm-hmm. And what will happen is – one will go one will go press center backs but the other will drop yeah and it, it almost it it becomes an extra midfield player in moments um, yep. is that something you think Haaland can do um how do i explain this hmm i like it when i stump the uh, the panelists As long as he's not forcing him into... If you defend in a 4-4-2, would he be good in build... Oh, the, it's kind of... It's 
quite hard. He adds... The thing is, Guardiola is normally 4-4-2 out of possession. So the kind you can't say build up play in that situation because you can't build up play out of possession. No, of course. So, yeah, of course. So out of possession in a 4-4-2, we we just have to assume because obviously I am seeing Guardiola's game plan and he could do what a 3-5-2 and Fuck us all over. So let's assume he's doing his full 42 hour possession formation. He would fit in the role up front, but he is really good at pressing opponents. He's come from pressing teams. He's a mix of a mobile striker, which um, basically loves a 1v1 duel um, with space, obviously, and also a pressing forward because he's from basically Red Bull teams, which is all about the high intensive press. So he would be up front, but also Man City should now be more flexible to high press because they, because he can, he's learned how to attack in both. Mm. He's learned, but it's not really build up play. That's the only thing. I think that's what stumped me. It's because build yeah. up play is like specifically no, I, I, for I, I frame in the possession. Question, yeah, I framed the question <laughs> wrong as well because really what I'm. What I'm what I'm trying to ascertain is one of the uh, qualities that we've had this season is the kind of the versatility of everybody that plays in the front line. So you can have a situation where Foden finds himself in the center of midfield, even though he's playing as the false nine and somebody else has taken up Gundogan or Kevin is suddenly in that position. Can Haaland do that? Yes and no. So he can be. So I think I think I know what I mis like got confused with. Um, so basically, when you're pressing and you're defending in that four four two, and even when you're in possession, Pep's main tactic is um, player role rotation. So as you said. Foden, if someone vacates a space, someone's ready to drop in. And that's what makes Pep Guardiola so effective. So when you're out of possession, Harlem will basically press, pressing striker will do. But he can press high and low. So that's also fine. So if you ever need to transition into build up play or just direct attacking into a counter attack, that would be, he would be able to do that because he can drop deeper and use the Harlan's abilities in transitions. Yeah. Um he would have to learn to I think recognize where he needs to drop in and out for those players ro- rotations, but I think that could be aided by all the other players because as soon as Harland is probably out of position out of position sounds negative, but I mean it in a positive way that cuz that's that given tactic that other people would recognize and fill in for him. So it shouldn't be much of a problem for him to pick that up as much. He might not be as flexible as others, but I don't think you need him to be either. He could be the one that stays up or to the side a little more, especially in the half space or drop back and wait. Um, Mainly because I think you've got so many other players who can do that tactic that you don't have to force Haaland into that tactic as much. Um, 
But if you want to play quick transitions, defense from attack just straight away and less about player rotation roles, then um, it won't matter so much anyway because he'll be suited for that. And that, that's the key. That's the key part that Man City is probably missing above else. Hmm. No, I'd agree with that. Um, do you think City would have to change their style of play to fit him in? No, not really. Um, so, as I said, he they both need to learn from each other, and Pep needs to do a bit more to fit Holland in. Um, but it just gives City's new City new possibilities. As I said, they don't have to change the way that they counterattack. They just need a new skill in counterattack to make them more effective. Um, the player rotations, again, you can overload the same spaces that you do in build-up play, just Haaland slightly up front. It's about just giving Haaland and working more space. But if you take in account, like last night, your game against Wolves, look how much space Kevin De Bruyne got. Yeah. Instead of De Bruyne, that's just going to be Haaland instead. <laughs> and if it does work to a point where you're nearer up the pitch rather than further back, what Haaland is good at is after he's found that space, after he's arrived in the penalty area, he's also really good at laying off the final pass to someone else. That's why he's got such a high assist, um, just so many assists. They don't come from a typical assist, or, you know, someone's crossed it in assists, someone's played around the box and then in assist. He, his assists come because he's in the box and he sees someone else in a better position and lays off the pass for them. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to change the way you play. You, you just need to be better at, at adapting, which again, if it's, it's not really the way that you play, it's the qualities that you don't have in the style of way that you play. Mm. Um, we could all be wrong and Pep Guardiola could be like, I'm going to play him as a left wing or <laughs> I'm going to play a, I'm going to play a three, four, two, one. And we could all be fucking wrong. Yeah. I, I, I mean, kind of hope he does that. I kind of hope I'm wrong. I, I feel as though that three at the back is something that almost since Guardiola's first season, it's been like, this is the season where we're going to see three at the back and we've never seen it. Um, and maybe, maybe having a classic number nine will, will, I just, I think, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he uses Foden in conjunction with, uh, Haaland because I almost feel as though whilst De Bruyne is the best passer, um, in the side, I think Foden, th- there, there is something about the idea of having Foden as close to, to Haaland as you can have him to maximize the number of goals that you're going to score. Cause I think that he's really got, Foden's got some, he's got a special quality that, um, I think could be dovetail very nicely with, uh, with, with Haaland. And I wonder whether that means that you play them as a two, uh, in possession as well. And whether that means there will be a three at the back, but. 
as you say. Uh, uh, Who knows? Can you just imagine if Hep goes full English 442 in possession? <laughs> I think my, minds will melt in the media. Oh, minds will that. melt in the analysis world. Everyone, uh, that would, I think that would be absolutely, it's like ode to England, ode to Sam Allardyce. Here's yeah, a 442. Class, here's a classic 442 with a big man and a little man. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my that, God. That, I, I, my brain is <laughs> melting even thinking of that. Um, okay. So we had a conversation the other day on a podcast about like, who do you compare Haaland too, right? And I, I compared him to the, to the original Ronaldo and there were a few other shouts. I think somebody on, on our Twitter feed was like, nah, Alan Shearer. So who would you compare Haaland to? I mean, obviously he's unique. Obviously you've said he's a freak of nature because of his size and his speed and his technical ability. So who would you compare him to? Uh, oh my God. I, I, Honestly, I, I know it sounds it sounds a bit weird. I pick really, but I haven't seen anyone quite like him. Big Ronaldo, big Ronaldo, big Ronaldo is quite a shout. Um, uh, yeah, original Ronaldo is probably the best shout I can think of. Um, I'm trying to think, but that's I don't think anyone. Like, back then, I can, like, let's say more than current times, I can't even think of who he would come close to. Is it the speed? Is it the the speed that that makes him that difficult to kind of put alongside other players? I guess because I'm thinking about a lot of people obviously immediately reach for Zlatan when when they're trying to look for a Haaland comparison. No, I, I, I mean, Ibra- Ibrahimovic wasn't the slowest, but he was a little bit more flashy. I would say he was a little bit more flashy and a little bit more. Someone who, yeah, I think it's that. I think it's just, it's not only the speed, but it is like his build. Like he is so uh, broad that you don't get that with a lot of tall strikers. And a lot of tall, fast strikers either. And I think that's the problem why. That's why it's like he's not that. I think he could he develop into a Lewandowski. I think that's definitely a, a question that could, that could be asked because I think hmm. in terms of stature and, but who was more, can you think of someone that, that was both could be, Really, really technical with like the greatest finishes from tight angles, from more spaces. So if we say like, you know how like Olivier Giroud in like his best games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, I know what you mean. Like, a bit like that, but fast and can be the most direct. Adriano. Ever. Yeah, I would say like more like that. Mm. Adriano because- was probably one of my favorite players of all time. So. Because I think he matches quite a lot of Lewandowski as well, and mm. especially Lewandowski at Dortmund. There's not that many, not as far as a compar- comparison, it's just Lewandowski can do all of it in any team. And he, I, I don't know why, but in terms of 
skill and structure. He's just a broad, giant Lewandowski. <laughs> it's a cross, but and like if anyone's seen Andre Silva play, especially at, um, at Eintracht Frankfurt last season, he it was a bit more like that. He had he he just fits. He just has that presence up front as well as being having a good finish and also being a sprinter for some reason. Um, for those who don't know, uh, he's so he's six foot four. For those who don't know, feet and inches, it's around one hundred ninety four centimeters. Um, and I, I don't know how much he weighs, but he's very broad, and he's registered the fifth top speed in the Bundesliga this season. So if you think about like how fast Alfonso Davies runs, and Alfonso wow. Davies is the second fastest player in the Bundesliga registered the second fastest speed he's only like 0.3 kilometers per hour off Alfonso Davies so yeah yeah, that's why it's really really hard to suit him like anyone else because I don't think I've seen someone that big demolish in certain aspects like he does how far can he go under Pep if you're talking about, you know, if you look at Ronaldo and Messi and you talk about Mbappe and Haaland being the new Ronaldo and Messi, what can Guardiola do for Haaland and what can Haaland do for Guardiola? God, I, I would love to say, I mean, Guardiola has a really great shout with developing forwards and strikers. So you would think Haaland would be the next big striker on that level as Messi and Ronaldo but we get it a lot and I think people need to realize as well on top of that it's hard to compare strikers that are good at different jobs um for instance and and like player roles have changed since 10 years ago like the what we're seeing is that the number nine is more of a winger more than an actual striker as well so you've got winger strikers like, like Kylian Mbappe like Christian, um, Christopher Nkunku. Christian? Christopher Nkunku. Nkunku. Um, Christopher, so, I believe. And Christopher. I don't know why I went with Christian. Um, we're seeing more. And look, and, and who Dortmund has bought to replace, um, Harland as well, or maybe not replace, but more of the winger striker, someone who can, do both run in from the inside quick clinical but they tend to be shorter so I would hope Haaland gets to develop as one of those strikers like one of the more Lewandowski um Olivier Giroud Edin Dzeko types as well um I know Edin Dzeko is a really random shout but he Stuck in my head. <laughs> he was one of those taller. City drunkers. legend. Yeah. City legend. Him and Aguero. Um, yeah, I, I hope Pep can develop him in that class player as Messi and Ronaldo. Um, what can he give Pep? Well, if he doesn't give Pep a Champions League, I think Pep <laughs> might go bolder than he already is. Um, so, last question for you. Uh, and it's, you know, it's an impossible one to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, you kind of look at Haaland's goal-to-game ratio, and it's pretty much 
a goal a game across his across his career. Can he replicate that in the Premier League? I would hope so. I would. Mm. I, I think I would be quite quite sad if he doesn't. Um, and I mean, like we had Aubameyang. I think Aubameyang's also a really good um, striker to compare him to, coming from a more pressing side. Yeah. Um, to Arsenal, a little bit more possessional based, and I mean he got top scorer one season. So there is no real reason why Haaland won't be able to do something like that. I think uh, the I I I think we've already said it quite a few times with Pep Guardiola and new players coming under his team that he does take them he's a little bit more easy with them. He does sometimes use the patience button a little bit more on them. And I think that's the right way to go with Haaland. Um, I think it is quite hard to adjust to the Premier League. I mean, look at, I think a good uh, example is how not even Premier League teams, but also Scottish League teams have done in Europe this season. They are, people are not quite, they don't really realise how much different the Premier League is and I don't mean in terms of physicality either I think I mean more defensive structures how competitive it can be how bad the officiating can be um which yeah we've got the worst refs in the world I'm sure you know yeah some like we've seen British officiating over like German European games and and their fans just going, what? What? <laughs> so, yeah, and, like, you won't be as protected as you are in the Bundesliga or La Liga, and it's very evident, and it does take a certain type of player to to realise that and to actually take that on, and that can be sometimes the make or break or why a player doesn't fit. Um, I think... I think I wonder if some, and this is a really niche Arsenal memory, um, Baptiste, when he came to Arsenal, he was um, so broad and so tall. I, I actually I can't remember if he was tall, but he was definitely broad, and people were scared to go even near him. Mm. And that's how much, even though. The Wasn't pool. his nickname the Beast? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was. <laughs> he, he was he was massive, and like Haaland's the same kind of structure. And I think the Premier League has changed slightly. That okay, some we play more attractive football sometimes, and blah, blah. and it was physical back then when Baptista joined. But still, players wouldn't go near him, and I feel like Haaland can use his strength, his strength, and his broadness and his height to that advantage to fit in. And I I, and I just want to see just like one full one full ninety minutes of him in the Premier League against who's a a Wolves. Someone who plays football but also has a normally because the, the Wolves was actually the worst example. They lost so badly last night. Who's a good I don't want to say a Burnley. I want to say um 
Who's a good defensive team not from the top five? Hmm, a good defensive team. And I don't mean like a Burnley. I don't know, you know, they're... Yeah, they've we've, all gone. We've, we've, we've batted so many teams <laughs> We've just season. batted everyone. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I could say that. Um, <laughs> maybe like a Conte Tottenham. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, then, I mean, we've seen them get done over as well. Typical Arsenal, we're the only team who doesn't win. Maybe, like, I said... I'm looking at the Premier League table and I'm like, this is shite. Um, Brighton, let's go with Brighton. Oh, there you go. They've got a good defensive structure. Actually, to be fair, how, how many did... To be fair, before last night, Wolverhampton had only conceded... I can't do maths. Maths is normally my thing. They only conceded 34 goals. So, so like, I think... That's a really... Actually, Wolves was a good idea then. Um, they play good football under Bruno Lager. Is it Lager or Lage? Um, Lage. Lage. And, um, yeah, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Brighton. Those are the teams I just want to see one 90 minutes against those kind of teams. More defensively structured. More, I wouldn't say completely low block either, so it still can be quite entertaining and attractive. Um, and to see how he does against those teams. I think those kind of teams would be the greatest indicator. I'm more surprised that there's maybe the quality of the league is going defensively now that I looked at those teams. I mean, it is. There, There is a lot of teams that try and play football and, and you know, like, I mean, for example, you look at a team like Southampton. Where, I mean, I like Hootel for what it's worth, but they're such a weird team because they'll, you know, they'll beat City, they'll get, they'll, they'll get a draw against City and then they'll ship nine goals against Leicester. And you're just like, what are you? I think that I, I, that's, yeah, and that's why I didn't want to put Southampton. And I mean, Hassan Hill, big RB, he didn't really work at RB. So he's not the greatest high press, high intensity counter-attacking coach. And that's why he didn't work at Red Bull. That's why I didn't want to go towards him because I was like, I have no idea what he does with Southampton. It's just, yeah, it's. I still like him though. I think it, I think there's a good manager in there, but I just I think it, I think there are I think there are weird. I think it's weird. I think it's difficult to coach a team with a very set system uh, where the players maybe aren't good enough to play. The system, if that makes yeah. sense, yeah. it does. You do end up in a situation where they're they're drilled to just keep going in exactly the same way, regardless of of what happens. But yep. the problem is, if they're not good enough and they give the ball away three or four times, three or four goals down, and then at that point you expect the manager to go, "No, you have to stop this now and defend." But that's just not the way they play. So. No, they, they are still more attackingly based and they like that intensiveness. And so, yeah, even if that goes wrong. But that is that's also a good kind of precursor for Haaland because he can take advantage of those teams especially. And that's why we have seen him um, flourish so much in the Bundesliga, yeah. teams like that. I can't wait. I got to be honest with you. Doing this podcast is just—I'm just like, can 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 we win the next two games, win the title, and then just fast forward to to the first game of next season? Because it's going to be insane seeing Haaland in this 
in this city team. Uh, I, I can't think of a, a maybe when Ronaldo went to Real Madrid, but I just can't think of a transfer where a player's gone to a club and you just go, oh shit, like that's going to be insane what he adds to what is already there. But that's the way I feel about Haaland. Yeah, and I think it's also because Haaland has, as you said, it's the new group of Messi-Ronaldo players. Yeah. Mbappe and then we just need them in the same league like we got in La Liga and those two for so long. So, yeah, I think that's why people are especially excited about this one. Excellent. Listen, Jasmine, that was amazing. Thank you very much. That was a super insightful, nearly an hour. Ooh, thank you for having me. I, I mean, sometimes... Yeah, it's hard to speak, especially in the tactics. And it's so much easier putting it simpler in words on a piece of paper than it is to talk about it. But hopefully that has given people in a little bit of an insight of your striker issues and your forward issues and what Howland can do to aid that. Yes. All I can say is that I imagine it's the same for the audience that they just can't wait to get the lad in and in a blue shirt. Um, right. Uh, if to the audience if you haven't go give Jasmine a follow she's an Arsenal fan but she is also an incredibly insightful writer when it comes to football analysis and you focus mainly on the Bundesliga is that right or do you do a lot of Premier League writing as well I haven't done much Premier League writing this season or as much as I did but I do do I still do quite a bit um I think I had quite a few slam pieces on Manchester United and especially um, <laughs> we like those it was all like the last one i wrote was all again associate and why it would i think it was after your derby um i wrote um why he was so shit um so yeah yeah i do double in premier league but for anyone who follows me and this is a massive warning i like to tweet a lot and it's normally about memes or some other bull but i yeah so yeah, I hope you're ready for that as well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, again, Jasmine, thank you very much. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This has been a special on the 9320 podcast. We'll be back with loads more podcasts in the coming days and weeks. As always, be safe, be well, and up the blues.